right, all right. Join the Journey family, friends, and guests. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading Proverbs 21, answering the question, can we actually make plans? The proverb begins by discussing how the Lord turns the hearts of kings wherever he wishes and that every way seems right in a man's heart. So are we as God's people autonomous in our ability to plan? Proverbs 21, 1 through 2 reads in the ESV, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. In short, verse 1 is talking about God's providence over the leaders of nations. The actions of an individual affect themselves and those nearby, whereas the actions of a king affect the entirety of a nation. And God is sovereign over the fate of such a nation. Now, verse 2, it zooms back out. If verse 1 is zooming in on the leaders of nations, verse 2 is leveling the playing field. The hearts of all men, the hearts of all people, are inclined to scream, I am right, or my way is best. Think about a time when you were convinced you were right. I remember this one time when I was in the Watermark Institute, and Nathan Wagnon, a former staff member of Watermark, was teaching our class. And he was talking about this mythical sea creature from the ancient Near Eastern school of thought. It's called Leviathan, if you've ever heard of it. And back when I was in college, I attended this apologetics course, which I now know wasn't a very trustworthy source of information. Um, and in fact, it was at this day in the Watermark Institute that I discovered such a reality. Because as Nathan began to teach, he asked us what we knew about Leviathan, this sea creature. And I confidently raised my hand and said, don't some people think Leviathan's talking about dinosaurs? And in fact, I actually, I don't even think I said, don't people think? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I just said, it's a dinosaur, real confidently. And Nathan looked at me, not skipping a beat, and said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was stunned, to say the least. Now, I do think it's important to note that Nathan and I are good friends. So had it been another student whom he didn't have a prior relationship with, that response would have been incredibly inappropriate. Uh, But Nathan knew that I thought I was right, and he knew that I could not have been incredibly more wrong. And at this time in my life, specifically and uniquely, I often needed to be reminded that I didn't know everything or that I don't know everything. And don't we all need that reminder? How often do we walk into meetings and assume that our opinion or idea is the absolute right or best one? Or how often do we talk to our family members or friends assuming that our preferences are the best? Think about it. We all have certain preferences that we passionately believe to be true, right, or the best. And sometimes we think we're right about non-important issues, like whether or not a person should wear ripped jeans. Other times, we have a strong preference in regard to life choices or decisions, as every way of a man is right in his own eyes, exactly in accordance with verse 2. So what role does God play in informing or adjusting our opinions or decisions? One commentator says this, The hearts of men are in God's hand, and not only their goings, as he had said in Proverbs 20, 24, which in the NLT reads, the Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? 
God can change men's minds, he continues. He can, by a powerful and sensible operation under their spirits, turn them from that which they seemed most intent upon and incline them to that which they seemed most averse to, as the husbandman by canals and gutters turns the water through his grounds as he pleases, which does not alter the nature of the water nor put any force upon it any more than God's providence does upon the native freedom of man's will, but directs the course of it to serve its own purpose. Did you get that? It's a little bit more archaic language, so hang with me. Let me translate. He's saying, God can change people's minds. How? Well, we don't really know. But he can change even the heart that is most radically set in its own way. He can do so just as water running in nature seems to so effortlessly flow downhill. The water doesn't have to try to flow downward. It just does. And in some way, God doesn't violate our free will. Just like the water flows naturally, so too does he incline us to alter our courses to align with his will. The commentator continues, again, with some archaic language, so hang in there, and then I'll translate. Even kings' hearts are so, notwithstanding their powers and prerogatives, as much as the hearts of common persons. The hearts of kings are unsearchable to us, much more unmanageable by us, as they have their arcana imperii, state secrets, so that they have great prerogatives of their crown. But the great God has them not only under his eye, but in his hand. Kings are what he makes them. Those that are most absolute are under God's government. He puts things into their hearts. And he references Revelation 17, 17 and Ezra 7, 27. So what's the commentator saying? He's saying that the hearts of those in leadership are no different than the hearts of those who are not in leadership. In essence, they are the same. However, in practice, the hearts of leaders and the hearts of their followers face much different decisions. Thereby, God pays special attention to leaders and holds them uniquely in his hand. I'm reminded of Daniel 2, starting in verse 19. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. Essentially, he takes away kings and raises up new ones. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. But then I'm also reminded of James 3.1, which states, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. From the passage in Daniel 2, I see that God is sovereignly in control over leaders, specifically those who are leaders over nations, kings, and he's in control of how much time they spend in leadership. But in James 3, I see that though this passage is specifically talking about teachers within the church, there's a level to which leaders, especially teachers, are uniquely held responsible for their actions. So we see a clear tension between God's sovereignty and the free will of man. And then I'm reminded of Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. So there's also a level to which God disciplines us according to our actions. So somehow, in some way, there is a way in which God sovereignly allows us to find ourselves in positions of leadership or not, and to within our free will, regardless of our, our position, make decisions that may or may not align with his will, But 
All the while we can trust, well, really, we can know with certainty, Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So while we can't ever perfectly understand the tension between God's sovereignty and our free will, we can know with certainty God is working all things together for good. A.W. Tozer once said, God sovereignly decreed that man should be free to exercise moral choice, and man from the beginning has fulfilled that decree by making his choice between good and evil. When he chooses to do evil, he does not thereby countervail or offset the sovereign will of God, but fulfills it inasmuch as the eternal decree decided not which choice the man should make, but that he should be free to make a choice or to make it. If, in his absolute freedom, God had willed to give man limited freedom, who is there to stay his hand or say, what doest thou? Man's will is free because God is sovereign. Let me say that again. Man's will is free because God is sovereign. A God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. And so the gist is this, God is only able to give us free will because he is sovereign. And the good news for us is that though we will be inclined to think that our way is always best, we always also have the opportunity to ask God for help and direction whenever we have to make a decision, no matter how big or small that decision may be. So as we close, I'd like to encourage all of us to regularly ask, regardless of the situation, what do I want? versus what might God have for me? What do I want and what might God have for me? We'll end there, but as we get close to finishing the book of Proverbs, be thinking about who you might want to invite to read along with us as we start Song of Solomon. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.